You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 23. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. It's Dr. Kieran here. Welcome to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. I'm excited to welcome my guest today, Holly Bertone. She runs and manages pinkfortitude.com, which is an awesome website full of wonderful resources for women like you to achieve and maintain brilliant health. So let me tell you a little bit about Holly. She's a certified natural health professional, and she's a wellness expert. She's a highly sought after speaker, and she is the number one best-selling author of Thriving in the Workplace with Autoimmune Disease, Know Your Rights, Resolve Conflict, and Reduce Stress. Holly's breast cancer and Hashimoto's fueled her passion for wellness and helping others to heal naturally. After her 20-year career as a project manager, she's translated the myriad gifts of her personal journey and expertise to launch the wellness website, pinkfortitude.com, where she offers tools to inspire and help women heal. Her quick wit, brutal honesty, and simple ways to be healthy in real life, including her upcoming journals you won't want to miss, have garnered accolades and helped women worldwide achieve the brilliant health they desire. Welcome, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, really excited to connect with everyone. So tell us all about your journey, Hashimoto's and breast cancer, 20 years in project management. Sounds like you have a story to tell. We'd love to hear. So um, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the brief background. Um, my kind of childhood teens and 20s, I was a total, you know, junkaholic, I think, as many of us in, you know, in, in my generation were raised and, uh, and then in my 30s, decided to get healthy, and I started racing Xterra triathlons and mountain bike racing and rock climbing and all of that fun stuff, and was climbing the corporate ladder at the same time, and reached a very uh, high level in my career with the federal government. And on my 39th birthday, I was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I had felt the lump on my own and, you know, went to the doctor, started the myriad of tests and everything. Um, But the actual, it was uh, probably a good month and a half uh, from lump until diagnosis. Um, But yeah, the actual diagnosis came on my birthday. Happy birthday to me, I guess. Some girls get, you know, roses or diamond earrings and I got breast cancer. So I consider it my gift. And, And then two days later... Uh, my then boyfriend at the time took me out to dinner and proposed. So it was, yeah, it was 48 hours. You have breast cancer and will you marry me? And that was the start of this health journey and all of the craziness. Wow. And so what happened through that journey that brought you to where you are now? Oh, sure. So um, the breast cancer treatment, I went through the traditional treatment with surgery 
and then uh, chemotherapy and then radiation. And I wasn't getting better. Like I kept getting sicker and sicker. And we had actually, we had gotten married um, 10 days after treatment had ended. And then my husband deployed. So I actually had a good four months um, just really quiet at the house to recover. And my health just kept getting worse. And I kept going back to the doctor saying, something's not right. Something's not right. Finally, a year later, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And the way that the endocrinologist diagnosed me, he basically said I had hypothyroidism, which is a slow thyroid, and then mentioned something about Hashimoto's and just shushed me out of the office, gave me some Synthroid and shushed me out of the office. And I got home and I'm like, Hashi, what? (laughs) And so I called the office back and I'm like, so what exactly did you diagnose me with again? And, you know, I mean, after cancer, I was just like, okay, just give me my drugs and, you know, let me be better. But after, um, you know, after I, I learned the hard way that autoimmune is just, it is relentless. I mean, the, the cancer treatment was rough, but it ended. Um, you know, the autoimmune just keeps giving every single day. <laughs> Yes, it is the gift that keeps giving. And so it's a really a chronic problem. And that's why it's so important. And it affects millions of women. It's so important for us to get a handle on that. Yes. And so you address that in your book. So I do. Yeah. In fact, I think the statistics around 54 million Americans, 75% of which are women. Right. And so how did you get on this path from you're in the mainstream medical system, getting traditional cancer treatments, and then you're getting the typical Hashimoto's, oh, you have Hashi something here, take this, go see in three months. So how did you get from that to you must have discovered natural health and healing along the way. So how did that happen? It was um, so my cancer diagnosis was in 2010. Hashimoto's diagnosis was in 2011. And um, I just kind of kept on, you know, living a normal, you know, average American lifestyle at that point. Like I just didn't know any better. And then um, over the years, I just kind of started, you know, getting different articles in my, you know, inbox and reading up on stuff. And I picked up a few books and really started learning about more, um, you know, kind of natural health and alternative health and eating healthier and things like that. And it, it seemed like at the time, and this was about 2015, everywhere I looked, it kept saying about how going gluten-free is really good for autoimmune. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, let's give it a try. So it was literally overnight and I didn't even have, like, I didn't have a goodbye party or anything. Like if I would have taken it back, I would have had like the biggest pizza. I would have like eaten the whole thing myself or something (laughs) just to say goodbye. Um, that's like the one food I still really miss. But, um, but yeah, it was literally just cold Turkey overnight. I gave up gluten and sugar completely. And, um, within days, I think, the gluten and or the sugar was just coming out of my body and like all of my orifices. It was disgusting. It was like, I think the, the candida is what they call it. Um, you know, just this rash that kept showing up everywhere. But I was like, oh, okay, that's a sign. I think that I've got some stuff in my body that needs to come out. Right. And um, so anyway, so a few days later, 
I, you know, I was learning about dairy. And um, so I was like, you know, dairy is supposed to be highly inflammatory as well. And I always had kind of sinusy issues. So I was like, yeah, let's give up dairy too. <laughs> I, I just, these, there was no rhyme or reason. I'm just like, oh yeah, let's try this. Let's try this. Like, I was like, oh, let's give this up. And yeah. can I just tell you, and I never really liked eggs to begin with. So I just put them in there as well. So basically almost overnight, it was gluten, sugar, dairy, eggs. And I didn't really eat a lot of meat. So I pretty much just went vegan at that point aside from fish. So I guess pegan, mm-hmm. pesco vegan, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so yeah, but just making those changes overnight. I mean, it was within about three months, I felt like a new person. Now I was still really sick, but it was enough that it moved the needle. And up until that point I had so my health was at a place where I, the fatigue was just, it was unbearable. Um, migraines every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there was a lot of joint pain and fibromyalgia. Um, and then the IBS and the, I call them space shuttle launches, um, like probably five or six trips to the bathroom every single day. And they were so bad, like at the office at work. And um, I'm sure some of your listeners, you know, kind of work in the same cube farm where, you know, at the time there was, you know, four of us within about two feet of each other. And, you know, they heard that like pushback from the desk that (laughs) going back, you know, that urgent, I have got to get to the bathroom. And it was like, and you heard the noise across the office and it was like, everyone just got out of the way as I'm running to the bathroom. And that was like five or six times a day. So it was pretty bad. And aside from the fatigue, everything went away. Like the migraines went away, the really bad, you know, space shuttle launches went away. I mean, I still had some gut issues and some IBS, Mm -hmm. but um, the really, really bad issues went away. So it was just, I mean, it was months. I mean, it's like two, three months. It was such a huge needle mo- mover. And I was like, hmm, this works, right? <laughs> I was like, I wonder amazing. what else works. <laughs> it's amazing. So I started doing more research and literally just one by one started as things expired in the house. I didn't, at at that point, I didn't just toss the house and start over. Like it was as things expired, I bought new. So, um, you know, as the mustard expired, I picked up organic mustard as my shampoo expired. I picked up more all, all natural shampoo as the laundry detergent expired. I was like, oh, let's learn how to make your own laundry detergent. So I now make my own laundry detergent and all my other household cleaners. So I literally just one by one by one learned how to transition my entire household, my entire lifestyle um, to, you know, really this kind of all natural back to our grandmother's organic lifestyle. And my husband's a retired Green Beret and I have a teenage stepson. So if you think there are not two tougher critics on the planet, (laughs) (laughs) then, you know, picking up this crunchy lifestyle would be a green beret and a teenage boy, right? (laughs) And, you know, the, there was some grumbling, but they, you know, they, they were really good. They were really good sports. And 
My, um, you know, it was funny, like the food that I just, and it wasn't big changes. Like we ate pretty healthy, but it was, you know, significant enough. Right. And he's like, I actually like this food better, you know? So he was really excited about the food I was cooking. And, you know, my stepson wasn't too excited when I started switching his deodorant to, you know, the all natural kind, but, you know, they, they managed and they, you know, they bought into it the best that they could. And yeah, just little by little, our, our entire lifestyle became this just, you know, kind of holistic, organic, kind of a little bit on the crunchy side. And yeah, it's just the health has definitely improved. You've highlighted a lot of things. So number one, pizza is the number one food that people miss when they go gluten-free <laughs> pizza. So you're, you're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> but you also highlighted a lot of the symptoms that people have that can be very nonspecific around autoimmune disease. However, the gastrointestinal issues seem to be a central feature because people listening may not be aware that the inflammation that fuels autoimmune disease primarily comes from the gastrointestinal system. So if you're having irritable bowel syndrome, one of my least favorite diagnoses, because when you think about it, really, what does that mean that the bowel is irritable? It's, it's a symptom diagnosis, which is what mainstream medicine does when it doesn't have an answer for why something's occurring. They just call it the symptom. But in functional medicine, we go to the cause and find out why. So food is the number one problem when it comes to gastrointestinal dysfunction. And some people will say, well, I tried going gluten-free. It didn't do anything for me. And what I want everyone listening to understand is I love that for you, Holly, it was fairly miraculous. (laughs) You stopped the gluten, you stopped the dairy, stopped a few other things. For most people, it's not that clear cut. And so they may hear that going gluten-free can be helpful, but they try it and it doesn't work. So why is that if you're listening? It's because the symptoms can be what we call masked, M-A-S-K-E-D, masked. So you're probably sensitive to more foods than just one. I, I like to say that food sensitivities are like ants. There's never just one. Right. So you're probably sensitive to more foods than just gluten. And if you don't eliminate all of them and get some degree of gut healing, you're still going to have symptoms and you're not going to know. But any and all of the symptoms that Holly mentioned can indicate that you have an an autoimmune disease. But I love that you heard what you heard and saw what you saw and made changes based on that and then kind of took the ball rolling. And so when did you decide to make your lifestyle into a career? So um, really quick, can we just piggyback on that? And I think too, you know, number one, a lot of people, especially with, you know, the lifestyle that we live you know, the damage, like if they're saying gluten, going gluten-free doesn't work, like there's probably still, number one, still a lot of gut damage, you know, that's going on. But number two, a lot of times going gluten-free means switching from, you know, traditional spaghetti to gluten-free spaghetti. Right. Which is not better. (laughs) Which is not necessarily better for you, right? There's still a lot of inflammatory foods in there. So maybe going, you know, from spaghetti to carrot zoodles or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, that, mm-hmm. that to, to eating more of a whole foods diet versus just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's, you know, it can still be processed and, you know, still be inflammatory. So. 
Right. So, and Holly, I love that you brought that up. So number one, it could be that they're masked, but two, you could have so much gut damage that you need additional help to heal the gut for the symptoms to go away. And three, it could be that you're switching out for these equally unhealthy products that are gluten-free, gluten, most gluten-free pastas, gluten-free breads that are substitutes are not, are just as unhealthy as the gluten containing individual products. So thank you. And I, and I ended up going on a doctor, uh, what's it called? Doctor, um, uh, controlled elimination diet just Uh because, uh, we did a lot of muscle testing, but we also, Mm -hmm. I mean, we eliminated, like we went down to, we basically went down. I would think I started with strawberries or something like that. Like it was, we literally started from, I was in such bad shape. We literally started Mm -hmm. from scratch and eliminated everything and just started adding like one food at a time. And just because my, you know, my, my, my gut was so damaged from, you know, just all of the years of feeding it bad food. And then, you know, I'm sure the chemotherapy didn't help, (laughs) you know, and just like stressful lifestyle and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, so I actually went under a doctor supervised um, elimination diet to, to finally get to a point where, you know, I could actually start healing my gut. Right. And, and there are lots of different ways to do elimination diets. And it sounds like you did my favorite because it's the most pure. Did you go down to one food for a yeah. few days? Right. So if one food for four days, I usually start with brown rice and then you add one, one food like olive oil. <laughs> Yeah, for four days, and then another. So it's very tedious, but it really works. And it gives the bowel rest and time to heal. There are other ways to do it that aren't as efficient. And then all of course, you can always do food sensitivity testing, which may or may not be accurate. I love that your doctor did muscle testing. So for everyone listening, if you're not familiar with muscle testing, it's the technical term is applied kinesiology. And there are different ways to do it, someone can do it for you, or you can learn how to do it yourself, uh, where it's been scientifically proven that a muscle that's under the influence of something that's not good for it will become weaker. And so it's a way that someone can test, well, if you're testing, say, am I sensitive to broccoli, pretend this is broccoli, that someone can push on my arm, and I'm holding the broccoli, and then I'll be weak. But if I'm holding something that's good for me that I'm not sensitive to, say it's almonds, then I'll be strong. So that's just a little information for everybody listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get back to your to your question, so um, I had actually started Pink Fortitude uh, quite a few years ago. Is you know just kind of um, like a hobby blog, like a mommy blogger. I did some recipes and some tablescapes and some you know kind of wrote about whatever came to mind, just like inspirational stuff. And um, and it was just kind of a you know hobby. I just kind of worked on it when I could. And then after I did this whole kind of my own health transformation was really when we rebranded and Pink Fortitude, you know, kind of started becoming what it is today, um, you know, and started writing about holistic cancer topics, autoimmune topics, healthy living, you know, healthy DIYs around the house in terms, of, like I said, how to make all your own cleaning products. We do a lot of organic gardening and uh, things like that. So that's, you know, really kind of what was the major shift in, you know, building Pink Fortitude. And so when did you quit the corporate cube career? Yeah, so that was in the spring of 17. Wow, Uh that's coming up on two years now. Holy cow. 
Um, so what had happened was my health was improving like little by little by little. And then all of a sudden I just hit a, hit a crisis. And I think a lot of it was stress. Um, you know, stress on autoimmune is, um, what do they say? Like gas, gasoline on a fire, right? right. Just, and, um, so we had a change in management at work and up until this point between the cancer, between the Hashimoto's and everything, like, you know, I still went to work. I was still able to function. My managers were very, you know, accommodating and flexible, but this new group of managers just did not want to hear anything about me being sick. And so kind of the health crisis and the new managers just kind of happened at the same time. And um, so I got all of my paperwork in order and I was approved for what's called the FMLA, which is the Family Medical Leave Act, which basically any organization over 50 employers in the United States, um, their employees are entitled to apply for up to 400 and 80 hours of leave to take care of either themselves, a parent, or a child who is sick. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, so I had already, you know, I had gotten the leave approved and, um, uh, my doctor at the time I was seeing a functional doctor, they wanted me to come in for IV treatments because, um, I mean, my, my health at that point literally was at a critical, I mean, it was, it was at a crisis. It was, I probably should have just like walked into the emergency room or something. And, um, but anyway, they wanted me to come in for IV treatments, which were, you know, I mean, like a good half a day, you know, once or twice a week. And that those treatments fell under the already approved hours under the FMLA. And, you know, the last straw was the, the managers, you know, in addition just to making everything miserable for me, decided to rescind the FMLA meaning I had to apply all over again, and um, which is actually illegal. And I did a lot of research and found that there's not a lot of resources out there for autoimmune in the workplace as a disability. And, you know, I mean, and through this whole process, like I was told I was lazy and faking it and, you know, oh, we'll drink more coffee, take a pill. I've got three kids at home. You can't be tired. I'm really tired. You know, just I heard everything and I'm like, you just, you don't understand. And the Mm -hmm. fatigue was so bad and the pain was so bad. And I mean, it, it just to go from making, you know, really comfortable six figure salary and to zero was not a jump that my family was willing to or ready to make, you know, my husband and I, I mean, we, we made it through cancer and we, you know, we're now facing losing half of our income. And, you know, do we, do I stay employed? Do I try to, you know, cause I did, I tried to transfer out and that didn't work. So I'm like, okay, do I try to stay employed and mm-hmm. just like work myself to death or, you know, do we quit and lose half our income? Like, you know, how do you make this decision? Right. So lots of tears, lots of really difficult conversations. So what was the final straw? The final straw was when they, when they revoked the FMLA and I didn't have the the medical leave to, to take. So, um, yeah, so we decided to make the big jump. So the first few months was really just me focusing on my health and, you know, trying to, to get healthy again. Um, but after that, um, just slowly by slowly, as many hours as I could put into pink fortitude started, 
you know, really building it into, um, you know, the business that it is today and, you know, working full time now on Pink Fortitude, which is, which is really exciting. And, you know, my, my health still isn't where it needs to be, but we're getting better every day, which is exciting. That's awesome. So I know that your book focuses on surviving autoimmune disease in the workplace. So for everybody listening who maybe has an autoimmune, there it is, uh, disease, or maybe they have a family member or friend who does, it's something that most people are not aware of. When you have serious diseases, cancer, autoimmune disease, I would say at the top of the list, there, there are others on that list, like multiple chemical sensitivity or dementia. How, how do you, what would be your main advice? People can certainly get the book and get into the details, but you mentioned that it's a disability in the workplace. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I don't think most people are aware of that. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of, you know, that's, I didn't even know that going into it, right? Like I didn't even know that autoimmune disease was considered a disability. So, you know, and I'm, and I'm trying to do all this research and there's nothing out there. So that's why I decided to write the book because I was like, I can't be the only person in this entire country who has autoimmune disease, who is working, who is struggling, right? So, um, so I researched as much as I could and talked to as many experts as I could find to write the book. And what I learned was that um, the Americans with Disabilities Act was actually amended in 2009, or actually it was amended in 2008, and it was, um, what do you call it, ratified or put into law in 2009. Um, But basically the immune system and the endocrine system are now specified um, in the language under the ADA as a legal disability. So um, if there was ever a gray area before, after uh, 2009, um, autoimmune disease is considered a legal disability. And what's interesting is I talked to so many people and, you know, that have autoimmune disease and they're like, well, I don't feel disabled. Well, I mean, what, what does that supposed to mean? Like we're, you know, we're used to seeing people that are, you know, maybe blind or in a wheelchair or something like Mm -hmm. that. So it's just a different way of looking at it. And, you know, whether you feel disabled, whether you want to be disabled, whether, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. You, you are still legally protected. If you have autoimmune disease, you're legally protected under the American with Disability Act. Um, so uh, that's that's an interesting you know shift in thought because I know a lot of people aren't aware of that. And so what does that look like for somebody who maybe is struggling with their employer right now who has Hashimoto's or maybe they have lupus or some other autoimmune disease and it's causing them time off from work or they can't work at the level that they usually do and maybe their productivity is down and they're getting flack for that or any of the myriad uh, ways that it could affect their performance. Talk a little bit about what those ways are. And then, so what does a disability, an autoimmune disability in the workplace look like and how people can navigate that and support themselves? Oh, sure. So, and the two major issues are fatigue and pain and that kind of are similar across almost all autoimmune diseases. And, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of a million other symptoms that are going to be there as well. But in terms of just major 
life-altering symptoms that are going to cause issues at work, those are the top two that I focused on and, you know, kind of touched on the, the other symptoms as, as well, just on a more smaller scale. Um, but basically what I always recommend is first to um, find out what paperwork you need to fill out. And usually that's the first stop is human resources or even if you if you're big enough, if your company's big enough, they may have an EEO office, the Equal Employment Opportunity Office. So go to one of those two offices, um, figure out what paperwork needs to be filled out by your doctor, and then what I recommend is making three copies of that paperwork. You want a blank copy, you want a copy for you, and then you want a copy that you're going to give to them. So basically, um, because when you give the paperwork to your doctor to fill out, like they know your medical history. They don't know what you do at work and how your medical condition affects your work. So what you're going to have to do is come up with that language to help your doctor figure out what to say. So what I recommend is to fill out the paperwork, give it to your doctor, let them know that this is sample language. Obviously, they're going to have to put it into, you know, their own words and, in you know, write their own information and sign off on it. Mm-hmm. But to have that information to give to them to help to start with is really beneficial. Um, also, you may end up having to pay your doctor to fill out the paperwork because this is their time to do it. Mm-hmm. And they may treat it like an appointment or something like that. So I always tell people to just to be prepared to, to pay for a doctor's appointment if you, you know, when, when they fill out the paperwork like this is, you know, could be 30, 45 minutes of their time which is normally what you more than you get right, in a traditional right. doctor's oh, appointment yeah. anyway, right? Yeah, paperwork usually takes longer than, <laughs> than yeah. the appointment. So. Um, but then after that, um, you know, we can get into as many details as you want to, but um, in terms of reasonable accommodations, um, those are some things that you can ask your manager for. Um, I always recommend, you know... The way that I say it is good managers are good managers, bad managers are bad managers. Like if someone's a good person, they're going to be a good person. Someone's a jerk, they're going to be a jerk, right? You're not going to all of a sudden have a jerk for a boss be really nice. So, you know, if if your boss is on board, I still recommend having a third person in the room. Um, typically, someone from HR is ideal. But if not, even, you know, like a coworker or another supervisor or something like that, just so there's a third party in the room to capture that conversation and to have it as a witness. Um, I also recommend to document everything, you know, if there if if there are if there is a negative situation in the workplace to have witnesses and to document everything. But in terms of reasonable accommodations, you can ask for and obviously this is you know, workplace dependent, but things you can ask for are flexible hours. Um, You know, let's say you're really productive in the morning, but you really crash hard in the afternoon, maybe a shift or a chance to, you know, come in earlier and leave earlier, or, you know, let's say it's the the vice versa. Let's say you wake up in a lot of pain and it's not until mid-morning to actually, you know, feel like you're not in as much pain. So maybe, you know, you work later, you come in later, work later, um, a lot of times employment places give um, like an hour for lunch or 30 minutes for lunch or 45 minutes for lunch. And you can right. say, hey, instead of taking a full lunch break, I'd rather take three or four 10-minute rest breaks, right? right. Um, you can request a uh, private office to make phone calls because I know 
a lot of us with autoimmune disease, we have millions of doctors and millions of phone calls that we have to make and appointments and labs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, for even just from a privacy perspective, um, you can request, you know, to go into a conference room or to an empty office or something like that to make your phone calls, ergonomic chairs, um, anti-glare screens for the computer. Mm-hmm. If you have um, GI issues, celiac disease, something like that, um, you know, private uh, toilet. I, I don't know. About <laughs> private toilet, but private can, bathroom. Yeah, you can ask with for a shower. A, yeah, you can ask for um, a seat that's maybe closer to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have celiac, you can ask for you know maybe to get your own mini refrigerator. Um, you know, so that there's not the cross contamination of any food. Um, you know, cause I don't know if you've ever seen an office refrigerator, they're not pretty. <laughs> yes. And so I know you go over a lot of these things in your book. So I'm going to refer people there. Oh yeah. I'm just going to mention that I believe it, that was also that change in the disability law that included endocrine and immune system function that kind of looped in MCS as a disability as well, multiple chemical sensitivity, which is a huge issue in the workplace. So if you're listening and you're suffering with MCS, just know that that's also a disability and that you can have reasonable accommodations as well so that people aren't bringing artificial scents and contaminating your space. So what are you excited about coming up? I know you have journals. Talk about that. Yes, in fact, the uh, and you know by the time this airs, I'm sure they'll be all over the place. But the uh, the prototypes literally showed up yesterday. Yay! So it says uh, gratitude builds fortitude, and um, they're designed to be. They can be gratitude journals or just any kind of journals to write your thoughts in, to take your notes from your medical appointments. Or, um, yeah, just anything. I'm just so excited for them. So So what inspired you to create journals for people? And what inspired you to Gratitude Creates Fortitude? Tell me about that journey. So, um, well, okay. Well, can we go with Fortitude first? Sure. Um, So Fortitude, my mother was diagnosed with Addison's disease when she was pregnant with me. And growing up, she was, you know, she had her good days and bad days, her good years and bad years. But even on her worst of days, she always said, you know, it builds fortitude. And I didn't know what that meant, but she just kept going. Like she never let her sickness get her down. And she just kept going and going and going. And it just, you know, I remember one time, this was many, many years later. um, But I remember one time, you know, she was in the emergency room and, you know, just a really bad, bad spell. And she's like, um, she was telling her doctor, she's like, I need to leave because we're going to the beach tomorrow. And they're like, no, you're in the emergency room. Like you're in a crisis situation. You're saying, she's like, oh no, you don't understand. <laughs> so yeah. So this is what I grew up with. Just very strong, very strong determined. mom. And, um, so she had this word fortitude that was her life mantra And when I got sick with cancer, I realized, I was like, oh, that's what fortitude (laughs) means. So um, it, yeah, quickly became my own life mantra and, uh, you know, a word that I hope to help inspire other people with. But with the, um, the gratitude, I started with, you know, kind of every morning and every night, you know, when I wake up and before I go to bed, I think of three things that I am grateful for. And just, you know, on my toughest of days, just really remembering that, you know, life still happens and that there's all these amazing things in the world to be thankful for. 
And then I realized three isn't good enough. Like I was never, you know, I was never a person that went small in life. Like I was always go big or go home, right? <laughs> well, that's the red hair, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I ended up going with 10. So now it's every morning and every night I have my 10 gratitudes as I call them and really just set my intentions. Um, at night I go through the previous day and then in the morning I actually thank God for the day to come and all of the blessings that I expect. So, um, I was like, you know, again, kind of back to everything else in life. I was like, I enjoy doing this. There's got to be other people who want to do this too. Well, yeah, and, and it's even more than the enjoyment. It's been scientifically studied that gratitude does increase health and improve yes. cortisol function. And it's the creative force of the universe. So I love that you're doing this. Yes. Yes. Um, one thing that I've kind of started as an intention for this year is every day at the end of the day, I have a friend who shared this with me a while back that she does this and I used to do it sometimes. And I find that it's very powerful for gleaning where you need to lean in, in your life. What was the most meaningful, beautiful part of your day? Oh, I love that. What, what was that one thing that just, and to me, it's the most amazing little things. Like I was telling you, I went with my mom to a yoga and health retreat over the holidays and we went to a yoga class and she was on the mat next to me and I was right here and we were doing Shavasana, my favorite yoga pose, corpse pose, right? And we grabbed each other's pinkies. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm getting chills. That's so sweet. And so we just laid there holding each other's pinkies while we did Shavasana. And when I got to the end of the day and I was writing in my journal, I wrote that down. I just was flooded with all these positive emotions. And everybody listening, when you feel it in the memory and it's wonderful, guess what? You're improving your health. So um, that's what I've added for, for this year. So I love that you have, and I wanted to ask you, what does fortitude mean to you? What I mean, it? really, it's just, it's the inner grit. It's the strength that just keeps going. I mean, you know, whether it's a health condition or anything in life, I mean, life is always going to happen around you. It's how you react to it. And I like to take it one step further. It's not just how you react to your own problems around you, mm -hmm. but also how you become your own leader and help others because everywhere you look, others are suffering too. And, you know, to really encourage people that, you know, even on the darkest of days to reach out and just, even if it's just to share kindness with others. I love that. And, and I want to ask you, you mentioned um, being a leader and there are women listening right now who have a dream that they want to accomplish in life, something that they want to share with others. They want to step out and be a leader. They don't want to go to their cubicle job anymore. And yet probably, I don't know what the statistics are, 99.99% of those people will never do it and do what you did. What does it take to have the fortitude as a woman in this day and age to be a leader, what did it take for you? What did you have to overcome that you can share? You know, honestly, I think I'm my own worst enemy. 
you know, and it's a lot of the negative, um, the self-doubt and the negative talk. Yes. And I think one of the hardest things for me is to learn to talk to myself like I would someone else's child, right? Like you would never disrespect or someone else's elderly parent. Like you would never disrespect, you know, or like a preacher or, you know, someone in in that kind of place that you would never, ever think to say anything harsh to them, right? Only kind words. And then you're like, why do we say these words to ourselves? You know, so that was, that's always been kind of my biggest challenge is to, you know, really turn that. And when I start hearing, you know, hearing, hearing the, the negative voice on the shoulder, you know, trying to, to, you know, get my inner bully out and, you know, push the other bully out and then, and then make sure that, that, that kindness comes out. Because I think once you start really loving yourself is when you can open yourself to love others. And, and to, you know, and like you said, I mean, some of those chances, like I, would I recommend quitting a six figure job to go to zero? No, I mean, that was, that was really, really scary and hard and difficult. And we're, you know, we're still recovering from it, but at the same time, you know, it was what we had to do. So, um, you know, I think really just look inside yourself and, you know, find that inner lioness and, and find that inner grit and that inner fortitude and, you know, just what makes you happy and what is your truth and, you know, what, what do you stand firm on every single day that's unwavering and that's where you need to be. Yes. And I I call that inner critical voice, the inner critical parent, but it literally is. Sometimes I feel like that cartoon character with the good voice and the bad voice. Who do you think you are? You can't. No. So I, you have to silence that critic. I mean, I, this is true for me and this is true for every female leader. I know (laughs) they, we all have those voices. We all have the critics and it's silencing the critic that really is telling lies. Uh, And, and I just boil it down to this. If I help one person by doing this podcast, it was worth it. Yeah. And we all have something to share and a gift to give. And I'm so glad that you said yes. And I also think that the universe conspires to put you in a place where you have no choice. Like you couldn't do your job anymore. Right. So you had to make it fly. (laughs) So it helps you to push past all that resistance that you have. Whereas if you have a cush six figure job and nothing's pushing you out of it, I've been there too. Then you're kind of, oh yeah, I'll do it when I get around to it. Right. But then the universe just push you and, you know, just learning to fly because you believe you can. And, oh, this is my mug that um, Anna Kabeca has, uh, Dr. Kabeca, I don't know. She has this saying and I love it. So I got this mug. Um, she believed she could, so she did. I love it. It's all about your belief. And you mentioned something, you said loving yourself. So I believe it's Louise Hay. She has the whole chart of the metaphysical meaning behind disease. And if I'm correct, autoimmune disease, where your immune system is attacking you, has to do with lack of self-love. So do you, is that, is that something that you've looked at with um, 
I don't know. And I'm not, as, I'm not familiar. I've heard that, but I'm not familiar with any of the scientific studies behind that. I don't know that anyone scientifically studied it, but in the metaphysical community, it's kind of one of those things that's a known and paradigm. the other one the other one that I've heard was especially with the Hashimoto's and the thyroid, a lot of it right. is that you know a lot of women with thyroid issues feel like they don't have a voice. Right, because this is the fifth chakra, the throat chakra, and thyroid disease is epidemic in women. And it has to do with your voice and what you're saying or not saying in the world. And so part of what I do when I work with women with thyroid issues is really help them to open up. The thyroid toning can help with that, which is you just like when you say om, when you go to yoga, om, that's a form of toning, um, singing, speaking, writing. So it doesn't have to necessarily come through here, but any expression of the self, this is how you express yourself, can be very helpful. So I bet that you expressing yourself with pink fortitude and getting your creativity out and making the journals and the book really has helped. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So what do you think is most important for women who are on a healing journey to know and pay attention to? You know, I think a lot of times we focus on everyone else. We don't focus enough on ourselves. And I'm not going to start down the self-care talk right now. What I'm saying is like, actually pay attention to yourself, right? When do you have energy? How does that food make you feel? What does that interaction with that person, how does that make you feel, right? Like, I think a lot of times we just put our blinders on and we just go about life Mm -hmm. and we don't stop and pause and say, what does this mean? And to address those, write them down in your journal and, um, and, but address them, you know, if, you know, if there's some toxic people in your life, maybe you need to start looking at that relationship is if there's some food that you eat that every time you eat it, you know, you get heartburn or you get diarrhea or you get stomach upset or, you know, something like that. Maybe it's time to start thinking of, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat that food as much or at all. Things like that, you know, just really pay attention to kind of what's going on and, you know, looking at your lifestyle from that perspective. It, it sounds like you're talking about mindfulness. That as Yes, absolutely. Yes, right. So really being where your feet are and noticing what you notice and how it's affecting your body and your life. And that's something that people could do today. If you're listening, you can become mindful right here, right now. You can just stop. Absolutely. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And if I'm not feeling good, what did I eat earlier? Who was I around? How did that affect me? What would be your other your next two pieces of advice if people are going to have top three takeaways, do today action steps. And I know we already talked about it, but literally just start and end every day with your gratitudes. And it doesn't matter what religion you are, what spirituality, anything like that. Like just send your gratitudes to whoever needs to receive them and, you know, and, and, and put them out there. And you know, I think also just don't be afraid to slow down. I think as women, especially 
we take on the world because we can and we do, (laughs) but it's in our nature to say yes to everything. And, you know, I really think to just take that pause and know that the weight of the world doesn't have to be on your shoulders. Like there are certain things that you have to say yes to, but there's some things that you probably don't have to say yes to. Yes. And and I sometimes wonder, are we born that way that we can take on the world and we, we say yes to everything? Are we indoctrinated into that? (laughs) Yeah. It's probably a little nature, a little nurture, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, the, the, the inevitable second shift, right? You, you know, you work your full-time job, whether you're employed outside the home, work, you know, working for yourself or at, you know, a stay-at-home mom or whatever. And then, you know, the husband comes home and you're on the second shift all over again. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a 24-7 job and, and uh, you know, and, and I've learned to push back and it's hard. Because, you know, like the dishwasher, the laundry, like there's certain things in life that I just want a certain way. But I, it's really hard that when I ask for help, I have to accept it in the form that it comes, you know. And that's been a really hard lesson for me. Number one is to ask for help. But then number two is just to let go and accept the form that it comes in. And what has helped you to just be able to accept it and let go? Um, I don't know. A lot of patience. <laughs> a lot of patience. All right. I, I can identify with that though. Cause I, I didn't want to give the laundry up because I wanted the towels folded a certain yes. way, you know, the threefold and, and they weren't going to do that. Um, but you either have to let go. It's going to be done the way it's going to be. And it's going to be good enough. You have to let go of that perfectionism. So, uh, really changing those expectations. So I love those are three action steps that people could take today who are listening. Uh, and I think mindfulness and gratitude are, uh, they're essential if you're going to heal from anything. And if you're going to become optimally healthy and stay optimally healthy, you need to always be stoking the gratitude fires, the appreciation fires. And I'm so grateful that you came on today and shared your journey with everybody and uh, shared your experience, shared your knowledge, your expertise, your hope. You've given lots of good, insightful tips for people that they can start doing today. And I, I really think that you exemplify brilliant health. And I'd love it if you could share with everyone what your definition of her brilliant health is. Her brilliant health is having, you know, a, a healthy body, a healthy mind and a lot of fortitude. I love it. Healthy body, healthy mind and a lot of a lot of fortitude. And thank you again for having me on. I just, you know, it's just been great to be here. And I I really do. I love connecting with everyone. So yes, I love connecting with you too. I love what you're doing. And I'm excited about the journal. We'll put the link to your website and the journal. Everybody listening, if you want it, just go to the show notes. And you can check out Holly's journal as well as her book about autoimmune disease in the workplace, and all the other gifts that she has for you on her website. Thank you so much, Holly, for joining me. Many, many blessings. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.